I'm grateful that you're here today, and uh, I want to start different today, and maybe for the rest of my days here at this church. You know, today, I believe, this is awkward for me, because I believe the message is for me today. I believe that God is going to put me in front of you today, but the message that is going to be spoken, spoken by God into my heart, and hopefully that will pour out and you'll receive something. We're going to do communion at the end, and at the end there's going to be an opportunity for you to respond and worship, but here's the deal. I think this message is for me. Actually, I know it is, and so I'm just going to confess. I was talking to my buddy Ben this week about um, having some fear. I have a couple of fears, and one of my fears is I have a fear of success. Maybe a fear of failure, but also a fear of success. And I believe God spoke this message to me several months ago. And today, I'm going to try and bring it out into a, a real sense that makes, makes us whole and complete. And hopefully, not only I will be ministered, but you will be as well. So grab a hold of your seats because it could get a little wild today for us. You know, over the last few months, at the beginning of the year, we created teams within one church, not to separate, but to help us understand what God is doing. This is a team salvation. They're praying. That's the first time salvation has ever prayed and excited. First and second service, they're praying for salvations in this church, but also your salvation experience to grow. And in the center section, this is team revelation, and we're praying. We've been praying that God would reveal himself, and I want to tell you this. I've had seven people in the last week or two say, I'm hearing God and seeing him like I've never seen him before. And I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I've sat over here for four years, and recently I switched over to Team Transformation because this is where my heart is. And this team is, we're praying for... This team, both services, we're praying for people to be transformed, and I believe today... The transformation starts with me up here, and I believe God is going to allow me to step into that place that he wants me to be, and hopefully you will get something out of the message as well. I don't know, but that's what I hope. We're doing this series called Why I Believe, and we're going through this after Easter so that you can have a stronger footing about why you believe. The first week we talked, why do I believe in Jesus? Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he Lord and Savior? And we gave you all kinds of information, but at the end we see that he's Lord. The liar and the lunatic can't be possible because of who he is and what he is and how he's lived his life. And then last week, Jeremy gave a message of hell. Didn't he do a good job last week? That was really powerful. Don't do that. His head's already big enough as it is. But the message about hell was, why we be do we believe in hell? Yes. And are people going to go there? Yes, hard to understand, but how we can do it. And he said, God's going to love the hell out of us. And then there was a quote with Spurgeon that even if our neighbors and friends are going to fall and go to hell, we're going to make sure that we stop and intercede, hopefully trying to grab them into the kingdom of God. Amen. It was a great message. Today, I want to challenge you with this message of why I believe I am a child of God. And I'm talking about me today, and hopefully you can make that conversation about that with God right now. Why I believe I am a child of God. Last week as I was sitting in here with my wife in second service, I was just in so much pain for the people that I know that aren't going to make it, that aren't going to be a part of the kingdom and his plan in eternity. My heart was breaking and it should be breaking for you as well. Every Sunday, you should be putting names of family and friends on the prayer team to get 30 or 40 people praying. 
You get your salvation team involved and invested because my heart's breaking. I have a bunch of family and a bunch of friends. I've lived a different life. I've got a bunch of people that have unfriended me because of my Christian faith. But that doesn't stop me. And our hearts should be breaking. And so I was just broken last week, but I was also excited because there is a bunch of us that have been accepted into God's kingdom and allowed us to become children of God. Now, I want to ask this question. Are we created in the image of God or are we children of God or both? Hopefully, we'll answer that question today as we go through a powerful scripture in Romans chapter 8. But before we do that, we have this verse. It's our memory verse. We ask the children and the junior high and the high school to memorize scripture. And we also want you to learn to memorize scripture because it becomes part of who we are. Here's one of them, a very famous verse, Hebrews 11:1, 1, the definition of faith. We've given you the amplified version because it adds more to a verse that we've seen in church a lot. It says, now faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation, that's the assurance of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, that's what the hope we have in Christ is divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as fact, which cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Now, two weeks ago, I gave a message on why we believe, and I said that we have six senses. The truth, we have five senses, but we, the sixth sense that we have is the one that we call, I call a God muscle. It's something that we can't see, but we've got to start working it out, and that, si that sixth sense starts to become part of who you are. And you have to practice and read and be ministered to and open up, and that, that sense of faith becomes part of who you are. And that's what this verse tells us. Things that we can't see doesn't mean that it's wrong. It just means that we have to believe and trust that the right of righteousness of God will be there. Does that make sense? Today I want to use an image. Recently I've used all kinds of image, a number one finger, a branch. But here's the image today. I, I want to give you the image of adoption. I think I have just some kids' words. This is the image that I want you to focus on today. The image of adoption is beautiful and powerful, and uh, there's foster adoption. Actually, we have my friend Jen, and uh, she brought a family here. They're here. It's called Bethany Christian Services. Will you go by and talk to her? She's got an unbelievable program for foster adoption and adoption. Our congregation has a ton of people that buy into this. And my hope is that the Christian community will have a spirit of God come upon them so that they will start to take away all the foster adoption uh, voids that need to be filled because there's a lot of kids that need homes. And it's a blessing to see that. So go and meet Jen and, and her friend that's come, that's an awesome foster family that does a great job in the community. But here's the image. We're talking about adoption, right? Here's the image. Now, I want you just to kind of close your eyes for a second so that this image can be part of the message today. Think of yourself as a kid. I don't know. It doesn't matter what age. It could be three or five or seven or 10, 11, 15. Think of a 15-year-old kid that doesn't have a family, no direction, no one to cry to, no one to listen to them, no one to protect them, Basically, no one at all to give them any kind of direction. They, they might be in a home, but is that person sold out for their well-being? That's what adoption does. Adoption brings people in and gives them direction and comfort and peace and listen to them. 
and gives them a purpose. And we're going to see that in text today. So let's explore today some stuff in the Bible. You can open up your eyes if you're still, if you're sleeping, that's okay as well too. But uh, I want to go to Romans 8, a very powerful place in the Bible. I would say there's a bunch of treasure scriptures in this place. The title of my Bible in my NIV says it's a life in the spirit. And in chapter 8 of Romans, it gives us all kinds of things about what this spirit is, and we call that the Holy Spirit, and how is the treasure, and what does it really do to us as individuals. So before I get into this, I want to kind of read a few verses before. Our verse is going to be Romans 8, 14 to 17, where it talks about child of God, adoption, sonship, and heirs to Christ. That's going to be our topics today. But before we get there, listen to some, some of the words that Paul writes to those in, in, in a life living for Christ. It says, Romans 8, 1, it says, Now there is no condemnation for those who believe or who, those who belong to Jesus. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You are no longer in condemnation if you believe and belong to Christ. That's a strong piece of scripture. It continues if you go down to verse 9. It says, but you are not controlled by your sin nature. If you have Jesus and you belong to him, you aren't controlled by your sin nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. So the spirit of God comes upon you. It helps you and it allows you to walk away from things of this world, death and sin and destruction. And it's something that lives in you. And then in verse 11, it says, the spirit of God who's raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit of God that's in you, that lives inside of you. It's the same spirit that spoke to Moses. It's the same spirit that spoke to Jesus. It's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and the one that took the apostles and created the Christian church. It's the same one that spoke last week and it's here today and wants to speak to all of us. So if you're able to stand, what we do at this church is we stand, Romans 8, 14 to 17. This is the verse God wants to read to me. Hopefully he will uh, use it to bless you as he is uh, speaking life into my life. It says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive has brought about your adoption into sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies our spirit with our spirit, that we are children of God. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in this suffering, if indeed we share in this suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. There's a lot in there, and today we're going to unpack that. Hopefully it'll make sense to you, but I know it's for me today. So let's just pray, ask for God to do a work of our salvation, to bring a direct uh, heart for you, Lord, with revealing and, and transform us. Father, we come before you. We stand in awe of who you are. We pray that we will have a better understanding of who we are as a child of God, what adoption into your family means, and how we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ Jesus. Lord, give us a revelation today. Let us step into that place of freedom and hope and away from that old because that old is dead in you. Father, we claim you above all things, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, 
And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Here's the thing. God doesn't want us to come today with this intellectual message thinking, oh, that was a good concept or a good idea. What he wants us to do is come to church on a regular basis, not wanting to have our mind bent and think, wow, that was a deep conversation that I've been having with myself, and you've answered some of the questions. What he wants us to do is get invested in his kingdom work and so for, for us to feel all that he has so that we can grow in a deeper relationship. That's how he works. That's what he wants. It's not an intellectual thing. It's an inside spiritual thing. And the spirit of God wants to minister. Tara was singing a song, let the spirit move. You can feel the movement of the spirit. That's what we want. We want to feel the movement of God so that we walk out of here not believing in a God that's distant, but having felt God here that can carry us into the week. Have you ever asked yourself when you were a kid or maybe recently, I don't know. I don't know if I really belong to this family. Yeah, I got my parents are here. I want to say I didn't belong to them. They were great, great parents. But have you ever felt like, I don't belong? I must have been in the wrong family, and there's the whole mailman joke. I get it. Um, (laughs) Why do I seem so different from my family? Why don't I really fit in? I've had these thoughts. And like I said, I was raised by my parents. They did a great job. Uh, I made some wrong decisions. But the point is this. Even in a life where I was succeeding, I never felt whole and complete. They say in recovery, comfortable in my skin. I never felt comfortable until I said to God when we were bargaining this one week several years ago that I'm going to follow you and I'm going to give you everything for one year And the day I made that decision that I invited him in and said, I'm going to give everything I got for one year. I put conditions on because I'm a sales guy and I was a negotiator. So me and God were negotiating. (laughs) But here's the thing. The day that I did that, all that fear of insecurity started to wash away from me. And I believe today... It's going to be a complete washing so that I can step into that place that God wants. And I'll explain that in just a few minutes. The text tells us in Romans that the Spirit of God makes us a child of God. It says that we are all images of God. The Bible tells us, and Christians will tell us for years, we're all made in the image of God. Well, what does that mean? It means that we are all made by God and for God, but some of us are just offspring. Some are just offspring. We're part of God's plan, but we're not children of God because it says, believe in Jesus and you will become a child of God. There's a step to actually becoming a child of God versus an offspring, someone that lives in a distant place, far from him, even though he can be right here. The Spirit makes us a child, and he draws in his children. A lot of times we think, no, just because God is good and and God is real, that he loves me and I don't have to do anything. That's not the case. We talked about that last week. There's a division. There's a separation. At one point, there's going to separate goats from sheep. And we need to make sure that we're sheep and part of his children, part of his plan, part of his destiny that he has for us. The Spirit of God, verse 14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. It's very plain and simple. If you call yourself a believer, then you should have this Spirit inside of you, and this Spirit inside of you makes you a child of God. 
That's because the Father loves you. You're no longer an offspring, but you're a part of his plan and a part of his family. And he has great plans for you in his family. As an offspring, he's waiting for you to come into the family and make a choice. Here's what 1 John 3, 1 says. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us children, his children, and that's what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. I hope you're here today and you're opening up your heart saying, I want to know him even more so that I can experience what the Father has for you and I. I've been praying, I've been crying all weekend because I know the Father is speaking to my heart today and saying, Jeff, you are a child of God. And I know that he loves me, but I have to make a shift. And that shift is into this adoption. Today, we're going to talk about the child of God, adoption, and sonship. What does adoption mean in Christ? We're going to talk to Jen at the end of the service about what it means to be a foster adoption. But what does it mean in Christ to be adopted? We need to look into that because that's what God wants. There's an adoption gives us what I call this sonship covenant. There's this word in the Bible called sonship, and there's a whole meaning to it. But adoption gives us this sonship covenant, and, and, and this is what it means. You know, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us, and Christian pastors and elders and ministry workers will say, over time you need to become more Christ-like, right? Become more Christ-like, Jeff. And, and, and what happens is, slowly but surely, for the last 15 years, I've been making little baby steps to become more Christ-like, right? Christ-like is a gradual process. But listen, when you accept Jesus and you say, I'm your child now, I put you in my heart, I believe in the death and resurrection, forgive me for all that I am, I am adopted and instantaneously all the benefits are mine. As soon as I accept him, I'm an adopted child of God, and I no, need, no longer need to worry if I'm connected and part of his plan. I am. The doctrine of adoption in Christianity is so powerful. It's consoling. It's comforting. It's encouraging. The truth in Scripture shows us that this is one of the great treasures of the Bible. It's the crown jewel of our salvation. We all understand salvation. Let's do an altar call and everybody come before and raise your hand. I believe, I believe, and we pray and everybody claps, yay for salvation. But the truth is we don't understand adoption. We don't understand the adoption theory and, and, and the, uh, the, the theology of it. It's the priceless crown jewel of salvation. We never talk about it in church because we don't understand it. And so what we don't understand, we kind of put on the side. But this adoption into his family is powerful, it's engaging, and it should be transformative in your and my life. What is spiritual adoption? Well, the word adoption in itself in the English language is filled with the ideas of love and grace and compassion and mercy. And it's got this intimate personal relationship. You think about adoption. One mother, one father gets on their knees for the first time and welcomes a kid that they don't even really know into their family. Whatever's happened in the past, they're going to love them, accept them. And it's this very intimate thing. 
And that's what the Father in heaven is trying to do for us. Spiritual adoption is him bringing us closer to him and ministering to us face to face. Saying, I love you, Jeff. I want you to be my son. I want you to live in all that I have. I want you to experience the promises and the hope that I have because your life is going to be a vessel for God's will. Sorry. The ancient world, an adopted person, if we look back into the old days of what adoption looked like, listen to what it looked like in like Rome, where Paul is writing. This is what it would look like. In the ancient world, an adopted person lost all their rights. When they were adopted, they lost all their rights to their old family. And they gained the rights of a fully legitimate uh, uh, child in a new family. So my old name is gone and I've received a new name from my new parents, and I've lost all my rights, and now I'm a new person because I have a new last name. In a legally and a literal sense, this binding legal and literal sense, I get a new father in the, in the adoption process in Rome. I get a new father with all of my debts legally canceled. Whatever my old name was, whatever happened prior to, it's all gone. And in this new name and in this new father, I have a new place that God has put me. And I no longer have to worry about that old self. 2 Corinthians 5.17, the old is gone, the new is here. Behold. That's what we're talking about today. But a lot of us wander around our salvation, never experiencing and stepping into that adoptive phase. What I call the sonship covenant. This year when I was on a missions trip into Mexico, uh, my, my girls wanted to go. It was a miserable uh, trip for me because I didn't want to go because I was exhausted. We had like four services in like five days, and it was exhausting, and my girls were super excited. And I'll be honest, I was bitter. And I went down there, and I'm like, I don't even know why I'm here, Lord. I just want to curl up into a warm blanket and just zone out on Netflix or something. Because I was so tired. And I drove down 10 hours, got my girls. All they want to do is eat tacos the whole time, which I'm not opposed to that at all. <laughs> it's one of my great ministries down there. And one night, there was a moment where I was ministering to a bunch of kids, and then all of a sudden, the adults came, and there was like 30 people, and we were around the campfire, and I just started speaking life that God had given me. It wasn't a planned message. It just started to happen. And the very next day, this man, he's named Stan Unger. It's funny, this man has adopted probably 16 kids. He tells me this story about me. He said, Jeff, my daughters, my adopted daughters heard the message last night and you really impacted them. And then he says, I want to give you something. And I said, okay. I've got my hands out and he's like, no, it's a spiritual thing. Here's what he said. He says, servants... Serve others. And I'm listening in my head. I'm going, okay, where's the theology here? Yeah, Christ came to serve, not to be served. You know, in recovery it says you got to serve others and put people first. And Colossians it talks about that. Philippians. So yeah, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. That's who I am. I feel good about that. But he says this. He says, Jeff, sons set people free. 
There's a lot of good servers like in a cafe serving you breakfast and lunch and dinner at church. But the son and those in the sonship that believe in this adoption, they set people free. And that's what God, all of a sudden, a flood of memories where seven times in my life I have had people pray over me that, that I was going to be a person that was going to proclaim the good news, deliver people from bondage, and set sons and daughters free of their old life. The problem is, is I'm a servant and I haven't believed in the sonship that God has had for me. And because of that, I wander around with fear of failure and fear of success as the church is growing from a backyard into a tree into a place where it's life-giving. I have the ability to continue to serve and never step into my sonship. And today I want to do that. Today I want to receive this from God and I want to step into that place and no longer be a servant of you, but I want to be a son that brings deliverance and healing and transformation and revelation and salvation so that God can be glorified. So why today in this politically correct world, why is it sonship? You know, there's been this whole move in translations recently in the last 20 or 30 years where they've taken brethren out of the, the King James or the New King James and they've started to transform it into brothers and sisters because that's the right translation. When they said brethren or brothers, it meant brothers and sisters. It was for the whole church. And so it was correct to add brothers and sisters. In this doctrine, it's male-focused. And you're like, well, that's kind of gender-insensitive. Gender let me explain to you why. Because this, this, this person, there's a guy named Tim Keller who has a powerful revelation about this through a woman that lived in, a, in, a, in a, what we call a non-Western world, somewhere like in Syria, Israel, Middle East. And in this place, this woman has this great revelation. Tim Keller's a guy that wrote stuff about um, Psalm 23 and the Good Shepherd. He's a really powerful, and I was looking at his blog this week, and He's a, he's a white guy that believes in Jesus. That's, that's good enough for you to know because so, it'll make sense. And here is the explanation of what, what I call today the sonship covenant. Here's the explanation from a woman's perspective. This woman is raised in what we call a non-Western culture, which means that the firstborn son receives all the inheritance and everybody else just kind of gets what they get, which is usually nothing. And in the concept here, this girl says, I was raised like that. I had a couple of sisters, and I had one brother, my father's beloved son. And he was the crown jewel of the family because he was the one son that was going to receive all of this blessing. And so she's reading this one day in uh, Romans 8, 14 to 16. She's reading this one day about this adoption that Paul's writing. And all of a sudden, she has this astounding powerful place of powerful message she has this revelation because the apostle paul is saying out of this own traditional non-traditional culture this jewish culture paul was raised in he's saying these words that make a big a, a big a, makes a ton of sense to us when we look at it the apostle paul says those that accept jesus receive the inheritance of that first son kid 
The sonship is, I receive this inheritance as the first son would. Now, a woman that's believing this, that's always been second or third class citizen, now says, in this life, if I believe in Jesus, I receive the inheritance of the first son. And this guy, Tim Keller, he says this. He goes, as a white male in a white male community, he goes, I've never thought of it like that. Because I'm a white male that has all the blessings of the first son. This woman has a deeper revelation because the sonship covenant says no matter where you're from, what race, where you live in the world, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are part of the sonship. And you'll receive the inheritance as you would if you were the first son in a very Jewish family, so to speak. That's what we get in Jesus Christ. We have to stand in that and we believe in that and, tr and, and truly understand that in the sonship covenant, we are heirs and co-heirs. And that's the last part of this message. The adoption makes us co-heirs and heirs with God. The sonship covenant allows us to be in this place of inheritance. Now, when we think of inheritance, we think of a billionaire Paris Hilton that has access to all kinds of wealth and jets and it seems kind of cool. My parents are here. They didn't ever have that kind of wealth. I mean, we did a lot of stuff. But when you inherit and have this access to that, your life kind of transforms. But in a way that's different. When you believe in Christ, you have the same type of inheritance, but it's so much more because it's from a spiritual sense. It's not from a physical sense. God bought you with his blood washed you clean, but then he says, I'm leaving you with this spirit, and that spirit makes you a child of God, and if you believe that you're a child of God, you got to believe in the adoption, and if you believe in the adoption, you need to accept this sonship covenant and allow yourself to realize that you are a son of the Most High God, and he wants to give you all the inheritance, he wants to give you all the blessing, and he wants to make you whole and complete so that you can walk into this new phase of your life. He says, that old is gone and that new is here. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 1. And now all you Gentiles who have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves, and when you believe in Christ, he has identified as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. Listen to verse 14. The Spirit's, The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give you an inheritance that he promised and that he's purchased to be your own people, his own people. He did this so that we would praise him and glorify him. God bought us. He left us his Holy Spirit. And he says, if you believe in it, take the inheritance I have and walk away from your old sinful nature. Because Romans says, I have no condemnation in my old sin. I have a, a, a life to death. But in my new life, I can walk away and experience God's glory and receive this sonship covenant and believe that I'm adopted heir to the one of the most high, God. Being adopted as a child of God really means Christ loves me. You are adopted in Christ's kingdom. And Christ was loved by God, and so God loves you because of that. You will be honored as Jesus was honored in this world. The Bible says that God is love. And if God is love, then his adoption is even a greater output of that love that he has for us. God is love. 
But his adoption is a greater love because it's another layer of his love for us, bringing us into that close, close relationship. When we look at this thing called this sonship covenant that God has been speaking to me about, we have this unconditional relationship where the father is down on his knees and he's saying, come to me, learn from me. Let me speak wisdom into your life so you no longer have to make those decisions that are causing you pain and suffering. If you believe in me and start experiencing me for who I am, if you allow the presence to come, you will start to be comfortable in who you are in Christ. For many years, I haven't been comfortable. And then when Christ came in, I started to have this oneness, but now I need to experience the sonship, that I am part of the Most High God's plans. And then I have the ability to speak life and be a, a living vessel for God. He calls me a child of God. And so now I should have no more fears in my life. I should have no more fears of failure, no more fears of success, no more fears of what can happen in this world because I have God behind me. I have God before me. I have God in the driver's seat. And he's got me bundled in the trunk because he doesn't want me even near the driver's seat. God wants to speak to you today. The Apostle Paul writes this, and he's telling us, I want you to take this and let this be part of who you are. Don't live in this old servant lifestyle, but become a, become a son that sets people free. Become a daughter that believes in this sonship covenant so that you can bring freedom into your family, so that people aren't lost in hell, but are one in the victory of God's love. We are a child of God. Let us bring that child of God before us. Because God is promising us a better life. He's not trying to change your circumstances. Most of us want God to pluck us out of our circumstances. I don't want to live here anymore. That's not what God does. God starts to minister to you in your circumstances. So his work and his will will be glorified. At the end of this verse, it says, if we are co-heirs with God, or if we are heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share with his suffering in order that we may share in his glory. Next week, we're going to talk about why I believe in suffering as part of God's plan. I hope we'll be here because it's a powerful message about suffering. But before we get to that, we're going to get ready for communion and we're going to pray for people to step across that line for salvation. We're going to pray for people to experience revelation and transformation. Somebody here besides myself, which inside, I'm, I'm burning up right now. Inside, I'm receiving this from God. And I hope you are as well. That someone in here needs to become a son of the Most High. If you're a woman, allow yourself to experience this sonship covenant. No longer second class. If you're like me, my mind always puts me lower. And God's saying, Jeff, I need you to rise up and be higher. You no longer need to live at a second class or third class lifestyle to be whole in Christ. Step up and take this invitation. We just kind of close your eyes as we close today and Start listening to God as we prepare our hearts for communion. Father, we come to you, most high God. So many broken and lost people on a weekly basis come to you because in you we are whole. Lord, for those that don't believe 
we are right and whole with you. Will you just give them a revelation of your sonship into their hearts, men and women alike, so that they can receive the inheritance that you have, a promising life of nobility and eternity and of joy and of humility and of greatness, a life far better than ever. Lord, we receive that today. I receive that today. And for those that don't feel comfortable in their skin and that are lost and don't know themselves and need a Savior, now would be the time to say a prayer of salvation. If that's you, just repeat after me a simple prayer so that you can be adopted in and receive the benefits that God has for you. The prayer goes like this. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my soul and be my Lord and Savior. I believe in your death and your resurrection. I ask for your Holy Spirit to wash over me and fill me up. Thank you for adopting me and letting me be a child of God. I receive you and all that you are. In Jesus' name, amen.